this week. And I'm going to share this morning, we're going to continue with our Death Joy series. We spoke about the New Testament church and their devotion to God. And then we see throughout the book of Acts how they were just joyful in everything they did. It said that great joy came upon the city, great joy came upon the disciples. And we wanted to stop and look at what the joy was that they had. For the first, the first week we spoke about that there's joy in God's presence. And then last week we spoke about the joy that there is in sharing, in being authentic community and coming together like we do and sharing all of life. And I want to thank the, the guys who responded last week in faith in, in giving a little bit more towards the Benevolence Fund. We were able to be, bless four families this week already with some needs. So I want to thank you guys for that. If you want to give more and more continuously towards the Benevolent Fund, please go ahead um, and do so. We send an email out this week with the information. But this morning, I want to talk about that there's joy in serving. And I know how it goes with a message on serving. But for some of us, it's like, oh my word, here we go. They are going to ask us to do more. They are going to expect of us to do more. And I want to, from the start, say that that's not the heart of this message. Serving, in my view, and when I study the Word of God, is not a commandment, it's an invitation. It is God inviting you and saying, listen, I am building my kingdom. There's a lot that I can do by myself. In fact, I can do most of it by myself. But I'm inviting you, as a mere human, as a follower of me, as my child, to partner with me in the advancing of my kingdom. So it's never out of a position of command, it's out of a position of invitation that God says, come on up and come serve in my house and the purposes that I have for you here on earth. So there is incredible joy when we serve the purposes of God. And I want to stop for a minute and thank you as a church, because this is an amazing community that do know, know how to serve. I look at the guys who, Donnie was up this morning just before five, just after five he ran to the the office to collect stuff that needed to be here this morning. And 9.30, he had a whole lot of troubleshooting this morning. 9.30, he hit the last button on the desk and the sound was ready for us to have our Sunday morning service. All the things you guys see, yes, let's... But all the things you guys see here on stage in this hall is being done every week by hands. Nothing stays like this in a week. And, 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 and what, I, what excites me is I see a culture of serving in this, in this house. Is that people are, are living it. It's not just something we talk about, but it's a culture of serving. And I want to thank every single person for developing and sustaining a culture of service in this church. And you know what excites me is that it moves beyond the four walls of this building and our life groups and into the community. And we're going to see how God uses service for a witness to the world this morning when we open up the Word. I remember my first trip talking about a culture of service. My first trip to the Philippines in 2010 to our church there, we attended the World Conference, and it was my second experience of Asia. My previous experience of Asia was India, so that was kind of my reference, and I arrived in the Philippines together with Frank and Kate and Brian and Danica uh, to attend the World Conference. And we arrived, you go to the hotel, and then you're ready to go about and, and explore. So the conference started the next day, so we went into the malls to explore. And every single mall that I walked into, or store that I walked into, I was overcome by joyful greetings of happiness. It's, hello, sir, hello, sir, hello, sir, how can I help you, sir? 
So I, my reference being India, I thought it's a little bit like when you walk in India and people see you, because they don't see, especially in the north where we went before that, they don't see a whole lot of very white-skinned people. They want to come up just like, snap, snap, and they want to take a picture of you every single time. So I thought maybe it is just the excitement of that there's a foreigner around that made them feel like they want to be very friendly. But by the end of the week and spending time with the church in the Philippines and the disciples there, I recognize that they've got an incredible culture of joy in that nation. Even in the midst of the poverty that they have, even in the midst of the challenges that they have, the people of the Philippines are joyful. There's a slogan that says, it's always more fun in the Philippines. <laughs> and I was blown away by this. And I recognized, well, that's what a culture is. It's when you go out and you see something and you thought, mm, this is interesting. But the more you see it and you come back home, you miss it. You go back and you walk into a game store and there's no hello, sirs. You just have to fight for yourself and look for the things that you need. <laughs> and a culture of service is a kingdom culture. It's one where the people of God come together and say, you know what? We accept this incredible invitation that God, the creator of universe, sovereign God, invites us to be part of his work. That in me is like, whoa, Lord, thank you that I'm even considered helpful enough to you that you say, Pierre, come here. I want you to serve in my kingdom. A couple of strong and well-known scriptures about serving is in Galatians 6 verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This speaks about a twofold service, that our service isn't just out in the world, and then we come to church on Sunday and we just receive. And it's also not we just come here and we serve here and we don't do anything out in the world. It speaks about a lifestyle and a culture of serving that we should live every single day of our lives. And it's reaching the inside and the outside. 1 Peter 4 verse 9 to 11 says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Everyone say, without grumbling. Everyone say that again, without grumbling. Okay, we know what it feels like when the kids grumble. And we should show hospitality to one another without that. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Our serving in the gifting that God has given us, and when we come together to this, is for the purpose of the glory of God. Again, He has invited us to participate in His glory. And that in itself, to me, is enough reasons to say, you want to, I want to serve. I want to stop and see, God, what have you given me? What have you entrusted to me? It's not just my gifts and my spiritual gifts, Lord, but what I have and my house and everything you've given me, I want to use that without grumbling to show hospitality to the household of faith and outside our four walls. Joy in serving comes when you realize it's for the glory of the king and the growth of his kingdom. Nothing we do here is insignificant. These chairs that you're sitting on that the team packed out this morning is significant in the eyes of God. The coffee that's being made is significant in the eyes of God. It's very significant. There we go. I was waiting for the amen. Very significant in the eyes of God. Because it is for the glory of the king. 
I marvel at the team. And Marcel has done an incredible job over the past 13 years, faithfully, to train the people that you don't just put a chair down so that there's a chair. This is service unto the king. And this is for the growth of his kingdom. And when that penny drops in our lives, then the joy will come that God has for each one of us in serving in his house. So let's open our Bibles in Acts chapter 6. We're going to read together the first moment in the New Testament church where this comes up. Where the church in the New Testament said, you know what? It is time to talk about service. It is time to discuss this matter. Now I want to say this. Somehow, and I've heard this being said before, is that people think that service and doing things organizationally in the church is a bad thing. And you're going to see in the Bible, it's happened in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 18, where Moses had to lead the people. And he needed to stop and he needed to organize. And we see it here in the New Testament church. They needed to stop because there was growth and momentum and a whole lot that God is doing. They needed to stop and they needed to organize. So organization is good. It's a godly thing. It's a biblical principle. It's not something that the new world has considered and thought out and it's actually in the Bible and the Word of God that we need to do it. At the moment, where 10 people gather, let's say five. If you don't have a phone to call five people together, how are you going to do it? Even when you call five people together, you need organization, right? So organization is a good thing. It serves the purposes of God. And I've heard where people want to throw that out and say, you know what? When it's all about organization, it's wrong, it's negative. And I agree, the focus is not that. But we need to use the organization God has given us and the organizing abilities to serve him better. And we see this in the New Testament church. There's immense growth, there's breakthrough, there's signs and wonders, there's deep devotion. And they're growing and they're growing and they're growing and demand is growing And the apostles stopped and they said, it's time that we organize so that we can do this better and continue to bring glory to the king and advance his kingdom. So let's read together Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists rose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. What was the daily distribution? Well, we just read about this last week. Is that these disciples lived a lavish lifestyle of sharing everything. So there was food and clothing that they needed to distribute amongst themselves. But the widows were being neglected. And the Hellenist priests came against the Hebrews and said, You are neglecting the the widows or your widows in the daily distribution. And the twelve apostles summoned the full number of disciples and they said this. It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you, say among you, seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit, say full of the Spirit, and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. I want to pause there for a minute before we read the next few verses. It wasn't the apostles that went up and said, Pete, I need you to serve. They didn't wait for the leaders to come and say, you get up and serve. They said, you guys are the church. Amongst yourself, figure out what service looks like and activate that. And for many of us, we just carry on and we wait for the leaders. Because when the leader speaks, somehow we feel that it's more authoritative or it's more impressive. Or we've got to listen because they're checking up on us. 
There's going to be no checking up here. It needs to be by our devotion to one another and our devotion to God that we stir one another up and say, Hey, Uncle Joe, will you help and serve? We see that you're a man of good repute, full of wisdom, full of the Spirit of God. We need someone to help serve the tables. Would you consider being part of it? And somehow in the church world, we've made it this thing that when the leader asks, we'll say yes. When someone else asks and we encourage one another in service, we say no. And the apostles were wise in the way they did it. They said, amongst yourself as brothers, find those who can serve. And then it continues. We're going to read together what happened. The apostle says, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Service was needed in order for the leaders to continue on what they needed to focus on. And that is praying and the ministry of the word. That's the role of eldership in church. To pray and devote themselves to the word of God. If the elders had to run around the whole time doing everything every week, it would take away from their time to sit and pray and say, God, what are you saying to us as a community? Therefore, service is a good thing. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. The gathering were pleased that opportunity to serve came around. <laughs> it wasn't the other way around. It wasn't the, and maybe some of you have been in a place where there's been an ill use of your service. And rightfully so, there is a, adver, a, a, a what's the word I'm looking for? A tiankanteng, aversion, thank you, to serve in the house of God because you've been misused. But these people were pleased. They said, What? The apostles want us to do what they've done all the time. I have an opportunity to serve God's people and be part of his kingdom. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, I love that name, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid hands on them, and the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests, back to the story in the beginning, became obedient to the faith. Here's three powerful things that we learned from this scripture this morning. And I want you to write them down on the tablets of your heart, on the tablets of your phone or the tablet of your tablet, whatever you use. And remember these three things about serving. And then we're going to hear from a few people in our church who has a deep heart of service. First of all, what we see here is an increase of service brings an increase of devotion. The reference is there is verses 2, 4, and 7. The apostle says we need more time to devote as your leaders ourselves to the purposes of God. So would you consider to serve the tables? So when there's more service, there's more opportunity for devoting. When you're leading teams and you get to a place where your team steps in and they serve, you as a leader have the ability to devote yourself more. And you know what? That lifestyle of devotion, they're going to look at and they say, we're going to want that. And then they're going to look for people to serve amongst them so that they can have more devotion in their lives. There's increase in the kingdom continuously. An increase of service brings an increase of devotion. The second thing I want you to remember from this, serving is much more than practical efforts. At its core, it is deeply spiritual. Well, where do you get that from, Pierre? Well, Jesus, the greatest servant of all, 
When you wash his disciples' feet, he says, I need to do this because you will have no part in me unless I do this. It was a deep spiritual moment. It wasn't just one of very dirty feet that he needed to clean. And we see it here. It said, don't just find any people. Find those who are full of the Spirit. Because service is a spiritual thing. And what we do in the church is we create this dichotomy of this is practical and this is spiritual. In the Christian life, it's all together. Our entire walk with God is spiritual, even when we are practical in making food or having a conversation. We should stop breaking these two things apart. You are deeply spiritual when you serve. We need to understand it because they ask for men who's full of the Holy Spirit. Maybe because those men would have gotten tired after a while. And then we need the Spirit of God to empower us again for the work that He has for us. And then the last point I want to make from this scripture, and then I'm going to have the others speak. Serving is a witness to the world. It turns adversaries into allies. These priests came up against the apostles and said, you guys are terrible. And they came back and they said, you know what? Maybe we need to rethink the way we serve the people. And God gave them an idea. And then at the end of the story, it's powerful. These priests, who were the adversaries, became obedient in the faith and joined them. And they became allies. Every time you serve the purposes of God, here, when you go out to your workplace, when you go out to wherever God calls you, and you serve, you are witnessing to the world. And you will see those adversaries. When you talk about your service at church, some people might say, well, that's silly. Why would you want to waste your weekend and get up 6 o'clock on a Sunday morning and you share with them what it is for you to participate in the kingdom of God? They might just turn and say, well, that is amazing. I've never seen it like that. And you'll see that those who oppose the faith will be turned from adversaries into allies. And that's the heart of service. And that's what the New Testament church got. And out of that came incredible joy. Because the Bible says there again that an increase came. And there was great joy in the city. So this morning I want to invite Claude, Susie, Auntie Athadel, and Brian to come join me on stage. While they come up, I wanted to hear a little bit of heart from people who serve very actively. And you know what? It was very difficult to make a decision on who I'm going to call up. But um, I prayerfully feel that these four have something to share with us this morning. So let's open our hearts and hear their stories on service as they speak. Brian, don't fall off, please. There we go. Brian, we're going to start with you. There's a mic on the... So we've got this big worship night coming up tonight, and we have great worship every Sunday. But being in a worship team is much more than just being on stage. We don't do diva here, by the way. Um, tell us a little bit more about what it looks like to serve in the worship team. Um, hey, hey. <laughs> Don't want to take your time. Um, First of all, I have the privilege of serving with an incredible team of people um, who serve selflessly week in and week out. Um, So what it looks like practically to be on the worship team means that you get the music during the week uh, that we send out to you. You make time during the week by yourself to practice it, to, um, to rehearse. 
And I, actually, me and Pierre, we went for a meeting this week and stopped at a local coffee shop. And we saw a member of the worship team sitting by herself with the earphones making notes. And, uh, you know, that's what it takes. It takes time out of your life schedule to, to set things aside and, and work through the music. Then we rehearse on Thursday evenings, sometimes until late. Um, and then Sunday mornings, we're here at quarter to six to start setting up sound, all of this. Uh, well, I mean, all of this is not a lot, but it's still things that we need to set up. And then after church, we break it down again, And but obviously we have help from a lot of people in church as well. But that's practically what it looks like to serve on a worship team. So the reason I'm asking this is because we have incredible experiences in God's presence when this team leads us in worship, right? And this is because Brian understands that their service is spiritual. The times they get together to work is equally as spiritual as the times that they're on stage and, and releasing the songs. It's not the one or the other. It's the both together. Brian, I want to ask you a more personal question. Um, being an artist and a musician and a songwriter and being a friend and knowing your heart, is you do at times have a pull for, let's call it another stage, a bigger stage, something outside of just Church, tell us how God has worked with you and your walk with regards to that. I think for every artist, there's kind of a yearning for more, you know, having more people hear or see or whatever it might be. But I just want to put a quick disclaimer in this story is for me personally. So I'll kind of... uh, grab everything together at the end but in any case so uh, for a long time for years I've been struggling with a thing with ministry versus going into the secular world Um, because a lot of times church can feel very confined you can feel like you're in a dead-end job you know and, and I mean it's just being honest it does feel like that sometimes because you come in you sing you know the singing is not for you it's for God so you know I get no recognition and um, I mean, I mean, you, you kind of do. You get people that come up and say, "Yeah, that was beautiful," and whatever. But it, sometimes it feels like if I had to be measured in a worldly standard, I would, I would be, I would suck basically. So um, last year, <laughs> it's funny, but it's not. Um, <laughs> so last year, last year I came to a point in my life where I, I kind of had enough. I decided, Lord, I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to go secular. I've always wanted to make my own album, all of these things. And uh, I'm just going to do it, whatever, come come what may. And uh, I went on this thing. I'm not going to go into the detail. And I went to Johannesburg for a while and kind of did well, not as well as I thought, but I did well. And... Uh, after the one night of doing things and I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't able to continue doing it, I sat outside the hotel room and I was just by myself and I said to God, you know, what, what now? You know, what, what's going on? I was obviously, I was deeply upset by the fact that I didn't go through or further, but there was a strange sense of peace in my heart, even though I, I, I felt kind of lost. 
And God spoke to me as I was sitting outside in the dark by myself. He said, you can do this, but this is not the road that I've chosen for you. Um, You could go on this road, but you're going to go alone. And I said, I I, I was supposed to be upset with God. (laughs) It feels like naturally I was supposed to be like, seriously, going alone? Doesn't your word say that you'll never leave me? But, but, but God didn't mean he was going to leave me. He just meant that I will do it in my own strength. I will have to, I will have to work at it myself. And that doesn't mean that now, okay, that's a whole story. So that doesn't mean that the temptation, or I'm calling it temptation, or the yearning for that stops. It doesn't mean it stops, and it doesn't mean that sometimes, I mean, I still do gigs outside of church. It's not a bad thing. But what it did was, it settled my heart that what I'm doing is for him and his kingdom. It, set, it gave me a peace and it gave me a home. Because every time I had this struggling, I felt like I was homeless. I felt like I didn't belong anywhere. I was in between two stones. But in this, God said that if you, serve in the, if you follow me, if you serve in the direction that I'm calling you, I will carry you. We will be yoked together. And uh, I will give you strength. So um, serving for me in the church means not doing it by myself. Doing it, being in the will of God. Uh, walking with him and, um, yeah. Well, aren't we glad that God told him that and that he's still here? <laughs> That's amazing. And Brian, thanks for being real and transparent with your story. Um, really, I thank you for that. Auntie Athadel, um I asked permission so that all the ladies don't go, oh, he said her age. Um, 78 years of age. And uh, full of energy. Just look at that smile. And uh, I told her, you look, you look beautiful for the stage this morning. Um, but when I see an, an older person like Auntie Athadel, I just want them to, because I grew up blessed by being around my omas and opas for most part of my life. I just want them to sit on the couch and I want to make them tea and, and bring them a piece of cake and recite a poem or whatever it is that Omas and Opas like. But with her, it's impossible. With Auntie Athadel, it's impossible. And in this old age, I think the expectation is that they should just sit, but Auntie Athadel can't help herself. She's in the kitchen every week. She is, our, when we have communion, she's here early in the morning to make sure that all the communion elements are prepared. And I want to ask you, Auntie Athadel, what is it that keeps you serving so faithfully and joyfully in God's house? Well, you said just, can you hear? Um, you, Pierre, you said just now that you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. And that's what it's all about. Um, I was called into, uh, Frank knows, uh, we were in the helps ministry in Rama. They called it the helps ministry. And um, I was called to that. And you serve there. We were well trained, which is um, what means a lot now. But um, it might have been a bit strict, but we had to because we had to give. It was a ministry of excellence. And that's what serving is. It has to be a ministry of excellence. And as you said, um, 
It says you you need the Holy Spirit because you need all these gifts: love, joy, peace, lo- especially long suffering sometimes, <laughs> and all and those things. And you can't do it without His help. But um, it is a joy; it really is. I mean, if people think that it's not fun, it is. You meet people. And, and especially people in this church, a lot of them, there's lots of fun. They've got a lovely sense of humor, it's, and that you need for serving. <laughs> Sometimes more than others, but it's, it's what God gives you. It's what God puts inside here. And if you feel that you can't serve and you don't have those things that you need, he'll give them to you if you ask. What I want to do is, I want to take a moment to honor the older generation in this house. Because I see a whole lot of Omos and Opas, and I look around, I'm going to eyeball some of you. <laughs> uh, there's a whole row there <laughs> that, that serves through prayer, through checking up on us, through washing cups. And we want to honor you, because as a young generation, I look at that, and I'm like, that's what I want when I'm 78 years old. That's what I want when I'm 90 years old. So let's give a hand to this generation. amazing. So Miss Susie and her family moved here in January last year. They are from our church in in, uh, Texas, uh, the great state of Texas. And uh, they were here previously serving at Timbalicha, our non-profit organizations. And God gave them a heart for Africa and especially here. And they moved Susie together with Alyssa and the twin boys, John and James, all the way across the world, and I have never met someone that so wholeheartedly, just whatever she does, she's like, can I do more? Can I do more? And my question to you, Susie, is what makes you move halfway across the world to what you are comfortable with and what you know, coming here and then with that same drive and passion, you serve God's people here with such faithfulness? Um, I thought of this over and over, so I may completely go on a tangent but um when i first started serving at our church in in mid cities um it was just out of a, a deep passion for the lord all that he had done for me all that he had given to me i wanted to give something back and what i had to give back seemed to pale in comparison but I wanted to give everything that I had. And in that, I did, as Auntie Ethel and, and Piero said, I found tremendous joy. And, and it wasn't a, out of obligation or um, compunction. It was just out of, this is what I want to do for my Savior. And so when he gave a, me the opportunity to come here, and I had been other places, but there was something divinely unique that the Lord did in my spirit when I set foot here. And we, the team that I was with from our church served with Timbalicha and the projects, and I have never been so wrecked in all my life. And I knew then that the Lord was speaking to me about taking all that I had learned from him and all that he had given me in serving mid-cities in our community in Texas I had to do something more here. And I had made an an additional trip, at which point God had told me, it's time to introduce your children. 
because what you have, what I have taught you, you have passed to them, and this is the place that I want for you to be as a family. And so we very spent a great deal of time praying very fervently. It's like we want this, and each time it was like being in the in the projects and in the townships. There just was this overwhelming sense of God. How do we do more? And it just completely and divinely undid us. And I watched his work that he had done in me actively working in my children's life. And I was just a mess. As a mother, as a parent, there's nothing greater than watching God alive in your children and watching his spirit exude from them. And watching, I literally had to rip them away from here on the first trip that I brought them. There was tears. I had, they were angry at me because we had to go back to Texas. There was, and literally I'm dragging my family to the plane and we're all just standing. We didn't speak for 11 and a half hours and I was like, nobody wanted to talk. But then when we got home, it was that sense of, okay, Lord, you've, you've, you've given us something. And we find we love to serve you. We love serving your house. We love serving your people. But what does what you've given us now mean? And so we, very, we began a season of prayer. We included an additional trip back here. And the Lord finally said, it's time for you to go. And so it it was scary, but it was an honor because he entrusted us with something so huge as to uproot the life. My my three youngest children, Mid-Cities is the only church they've ever known, and that's their life. And so it was uprooting everything to come here, but we did it, we did it willingly, um, and in a manner, it wasn't just, it wasn't just giving to the communities, it's giving back to the Lord for all that he has has done for us. And uh, Susie, you just represent again a whole group of people to do this. We've got Chrissy up front here. We've had many of these who come through the years and say, you know, it's a, it's a massive journey of faith for them. They, they come here, there's no salary, there's no honor. They just back home to say, God has called us if you would like to help us be here. And God has been faithful because it's the responding to the call. And we want to thank you. Susie has brought a, an incredible, beautiful dynamic to the staff and just helping and serving every staff member. And, and we want to thank you for that. You're making it easy for us um, in the things that are sometimes hard in ministry. She's also put together all the plans for this Germany team. So we see her as a team member, although she's staying back here. But she's done all the hard work for that. So I want to end with you, Claude. Um, so those of you who don't know Claude, he is the, the MD of, of quite a big uh, company. The head office is in the UK. They work all across the world. Claude travels a lot. Uh, but more importantly, he's a husband. He's a dad to four beautiful children and busy kids. Um, Claude, but yet in all of that schedule and demand... You find it in yourself to serve as a life group leader, to serve on setup here, to serve the people. Claude doesn't drive past anyone who puts their thumb out for a, for a hitchhike. He picks up every single person. And I mean, even in a busy, busy schedule, I can imagine you having to be there. Now you've got to take a detour <laughs> because you've got to drop off this individual. What has God done in your life that has led you to that point? Saying, God, <laughs> everything, I'm here to serve you. Um. We, we got the question beforehand, right? So I, I got it yesterday. Um, 
And I still don't understand why you asked me the question. <laughs> because um, we are sitting here because of God and Jesus Christ. And Jesus' life consisted out of serving. He didn't go to a spa. He didn't expect treatment. My brother served. He served. It's what he did. And so I don't understand the question that if that is our Christ... If we sing earlier about our souls singing to him, how can we ever ask the question, why or how, you know, it is just, it is in our DNA when, when we accepted him as our father. And, and this bothers me quite a lot over the last few weeks because we are very fortunate to have gone to Madagascar um, and, and I have to, it's not me, it's my team. I'm discussing it my wife. I, I'm bothered that God's church, the church, does not get more active in him. Because what you have said earlier, Pierre, is so true, is um, we serve an almighty God. And he will do everything he wants to do with or without us. He would love us to be part of it. But for that, we need to get off our couches. In Afrikaans, we've got a word, slapgat, and I'll, I'll use that. Is that, you know, we, we have to get up. You know, we, we can, um, we so often ask to hear God's word and all of that. God says this in the Bible. We don't have to wait for it. We've just read in Acts. We have to be part of his church. And we have to be honest with ourselves and to God where he wants to use us. You know, if we sing that God must fill the world, how can we sing that? Because he wants to fill the world through us. We have to get up and go. We have to just do it. We have to, we have to get active. And so the, just the question, back to that, is that it gives so much joy. I tell you, it is so humbling. It is just, you know, the, our, our primary mission field is our children. And to go and 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 be in the mission field for God of our children, just then, then we witness to our children and our children will witness to their children. It is not that we just talk about it. We get involved with it. We don't just say things to them. They see it. And, and for, you know, to, in life group, the depth of relationship we have with God is just tremendous. It is just tremendous. So sometimes, it's what, what Brian has said, sometimes I get to the house at quarter to seven, Aneska's running around. It's chaotic in our house. We've got four young children. 
at that stage we think, why are we doing this? Two hours later, we say, thank you, God. Thank you. You know, so I, I can just say, get, just get out there. Just, just do it. The joy, the joy, the blessings that you get through getting involved in him more than just coming here. I, you know, just very quickly, 12 years ago, we, we were told to go to a church. We were in a church in Cambridge, right? Great church, lots of students, just like amazing. And then God has told us to go to another church about 30 kilometers outside Cambridge. And, you know, the average age was about 65. And, and we, we struggled to get something there. But God told us, you're not here to receive. You're here to give. You're just here to give. So we just rolled up our sleeves and we just kept on giving. And, and I don't even talk about money because that, that is like, money's God's. He's got the deepest pockets. So that goes without saying, I'm talking about time. Because we are very conscious about our time. We can serve on so many committees at school and, you know, non-executive directorships and all of that. What is wrong of us? Prioritize. Get rid of that and serve. Yeah, so through serving at this church, I tell you, the blessings, the blessings that God gave us. You know, the... the, the the Dichaim, what's that? The, the what? The secret of of receiving is giving. We've heard it so often. So the secret of receiving is giving and giving and giving because you will be out received from God. All right. Thank you. So how do we respond to that this morning? Very simply, um, we prayed about it this week, and the last thing we want to do is have sign-up tables, and here's the ministries, and as, as you can hear from all of these, it's a hard thing. And you know what church looks like. And if you want to say this morning that, again, afresh, and maybe you're already doing it, I want to stand and, and say, I'm signing up as a volunteer in the army of God, and I want to help serve then just get up on your feet wherever you are at and say, that's me. And we're going to pray together for us as a house today.